We're going into Psalm 23 uh, tonight, and um, we've been taking that long, slow walk through it. We're going to read it again uh, in, its, in its entirety. Um, and uh, So Psalm 23, it's on page 555 of the, the church Bibles, or it's on the screen, or it's on your, your device, or however you're, you'd like to follow along. So let me read it. And again, King David writes this, and he writes this, and he speaks for every believer who has the Lord as their shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray for a moment as we go into this. Father, we thank you for your presence with us by your Holy Spirit and your living word. And we just ask that you would make us hungry as we come to think of the table, that you would make us hungry for more of the goodness of God that we've been singing about. But Father, we thank you too that you take the initiative that your goodness is running after. So help us to be aware of your presence, of your goodness, and to respond to that tonight in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we, we get to verse 5 tonight, and, and, and we're reading, uh, and, and this, as we go through Psalm 23, and, and thinking of lessons uh, from lockdown as well, um, we get to verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, and I don't know if, you, if you're following along in the Bible, you, you see that between verse 4 and 5, there's a little sort of space, it's almost like one of those salahs, you know, ponder, or there's something about the change, or something we need to think about a little differently. And, and, and so, in verses 1 to 4, we read of the shepherd's presence, of his, his leading, his provision, his peace, his protection, his restoring, and the guiding of his sheep. But, but here in verse 5, the language changes a little bit. The language changes that's being used. In verse 5, he, he moves to speak of the wonderful hospitality that awaits us. And the metaphor of the shepherd with his sheep, which has helpfully brought us thus far, now shifts from being one of the shepherd with his sheep to one more explicitly of God with his people. The metaphor, you see, it shifts to connect the human audience more directly with the Lord. The, the image, the picture shifts from being one of the joys and threats of, of the, the migrating flock to being one of the faithful received, affirmed, and honored into the presence of God. And tonight we've taken as our title the, the table, and we'll be looking at, at the table as we see it here in this psalm as a place of hospitality. We'll consider God's table as a wonderful place of hospitality that awaits us, described here in Psalm 23. Also, we'll look at a, a couple of different places in Scripture where the, the, that, that talks about the table as a place of hospitality and particularly as demonstrated by Jesus during his earthly uh, ministry here on earth, when, when the table, uh, and then we'll look at the idea of the table as a place where we can exercise hospitality. And it's all interwoven as well as we go. But 
It's something that we miss during lockdown, isn't it? Gareth's really referred to lockdown, and sometimes we think it was just a bad dream or a blur or whatever, but it was something that was something that we really missed during lockdown. And perhaps a lesson from lockdown is serves to remind us of the importance of hospitality and the need as Christians to once again prioritize and practice it with our family, our friends, and complete strangers. So starting with the wonderful hospitality here that awaits us with the Lord. You see, the psalmist tells us here that the Lord has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I guess, well, what does he mean by in the presence of my enemies? Because we get the table, and, but we can skip across that or we're not sure what does that mean. And there's some debate among scholars about who exactly or what exactly our enemies or the enemy is. Is the enemy that enemy which Paul describes as the last great enemy of death itself? Are the people celebrating death's defeat as they take up their eternal home, eternal life in heaven? Perhaps. Or is the enemy those who have persecuted the people of God on earth, now also converted, repentant, and received into heaven themselves through faith in the Good Shepherd? Perhaps. Or is there some picture of the people of God simply celebrating in His presence whilst the devil and his angels can only look on from afar, powerless and helpless to ever again tempt or harm God's people now that they have arrived safely home? perhaps. But you see, whichever it is, the image here at the table is one of the realization of the ultimate and complete joyful communion of God and His people. History starts with a beautiful picture of God and humanity dwelling together in the garden. And here they are again. As history is wound up, dwelling together, this time round a table, at a feast. Perhaps it's the same table around which the great wedding feast of the Lamb in Revelation 19 is pictured and celebrated. Because you see, every table in the Bible is a foreshadow appointing forward to this table mentioned here in Psalm 23. Every other table in the Bible points to this one. The Passover table, it points to this one. The communion table, it points to this one. Every table mentioned in the Bible points us to this one. And you know, there's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament as well that, that, that points us out. There's many pictures, but there's one that just I want to just bring out briefly tonight. There's a beautiful picture that points us to this table and to the grace that's found there. In 2 Samuel verse 9, or 2 Samuel chapter 9, where King David hosted Mephibosheth and began to wonder, was it wise to mention this particular story? Mephibosheth. But Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. And in 2 Samuel 9, it tells us, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. But get this, he was lame in both feet. You see, Mephibosheth was a lame man. He couldn't work to earn a living. Mephibosheth was a beggar. A beggar invited to come and eat at the table of the king. 
And you see, this is a picture of grace. And this is a picture of us. Lame men, lame women, invited to come and eat at the table of the king. As one of the lines in one of our New Year songs says, as we sing it, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. That's one little picture from the Old Testament that points us forward to this table in Psalm 23 and the grace that we find there. The table in Genesis 18 where Abraham hosted the, the, the visiting angels points us to this table. Every mention of tables, of eating, of feasting in all the New Testaments point us to this and have their fulfillment in this table of Psalm 23. And what a table it is. What a table it is. It is a table of overwhelming welcome. You anoint my head with oil. It is a table of extravagant abundance. My cup overflows. Immeasurable, immeasurable blessing at this table. And so we best see the amazing hospitality and the grace of God when we look at this verse and this table Christologically. That is when we look at it through the occurrences of Jesus at the table in the New Testament, either giving or receiving hospitality. Hospitality is a huge topic in the Bible and in the life and witness of Jesus. So let's just take a few moments to look at the importance of it in Scripture and, and how Jesus did it and, and perhaps find some inspiration and motivation for how we can best prioritize and practice it ourselves. As one commentator, Mike Breen, as he says, in a world of competing church models and strategies, Jesus employed one practice over all others, sharing a meal with people. Breen says, he goes on, he says, grace, mission, and community are not enacted best through programs or propaganda, but rather through the equality and acceptance experienced at the table. Another commentator I found very helpful was uh, this guy, Tim Chester. He's written, written a number of books, but he's written one called A Meal with Jesus, discovering grace, community, and mission around the table. Let me recommend this book uh, to you. Chester starts the book by pointing out an interesting connection between the, the three the Son of Man has come to, the Son of Man came to, passages in the gospel. Let me show you what I mean. It says, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And thirdly, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You see, part of the way that Jesus sought and saved was by eating and drinking. That's by either showing hospitality or receiving hospitality. And we know that Jesus did frequently eat and drink because he was criticized for it. The teachers of the law said to Jesus, they said, look, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the, those of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. And they even said, he looked at Jesus and he pointed at him and they said, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. They said, this man, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, the table was a tremendously important place for Jesus. 
As one commentator has remarked, he said, every time we read of Jesus in the gospel, he's either, he's either at a table or he's going to a table or he's coming from a table. And it's true, I, I, traced, I traced this sort of theory through Luke's gospel, for instance. And we see the occurrence of the meal and the table in Luke's gospel. Luke 5, chapter 5, Jesus eats at a table with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi. Luke chapter 7 is, Jesus is at a meal at the home of Simon, the Pharisee, when he is anointed by the, the, the weeping woman. Luke chapter 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000 in the wilderness. Luke chapter 10, at the home, at the table, at the home of Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 14, at a table when he urges people to invite the poor to their meals. Luke 19, dinner with Zacchaeus. Luke 22, at the table, at the last supper where he transforms the Passover meal into the communion meal. And Luke 24, at the table with the two disciples in a mess after his resurrection from the dead. But you see, for Jesus, hospitality is so much more than a meal. It is welcoming someone into his space, into his life, into relationship, saving relationship with him. The table, the meal is a place of listening and of sharing, of valuing and of caring, a sign of real friendship. It was one of the reasons that the religious elite complained that Jesus was a friend, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus' hospitality demonstrates friendship. That's what hospitality does. And it's not surprising that we often see Jesus at the table, but his teaching often involved that as well. Luke chapter 14, we have the parable of the great banquet. In Luke chapter 15, we have the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And, and when the sheep and the coin are found, their, their finders invite their, their friends and community around for celebration because they find what was lost. And that celebration, I'm going to assume, probably had some refreshments later on. Similarly, the parable of the prodigal son, it ends with a feast. It ends with a feast to celebrate the return of the wandering son. And significantly, the turning point for the prodigal was when he recalled, what did he recall? He recalled his father's hospitality. Because his father's hospitality, he said, was even to the servants, was better than this food, even this pig food that he was coveting at the time. And it was the thought of the father's loving, welcoming hospitality that was the clincher for the prodigal son that brought him back to his senses and started him on his road back into the father's arms. And this great feast around the table as well that we're heading to is prophesied throughout the Old Testament. For instance, Isaiah prophesies He says this, on Mount Zion... That will be the center of the celebrations when Jesus returns. He says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Now, I didn't make it up. There it is in Isaiah 25, verse 6. I didn't hear a lot about this stuff at Sunday school when I went. But there it is. It's good news. It's the good news of the gospel. And it's a wonderful promise that, we'd, that, that, would have, that it would have come to the minds, that would have resonated in the minds of Jesus' first hearers because they would be familiar with Isaiah. 
And Jesus comes describing this feast and inviting them into it and saying, it's being fulfilled. Jesus said, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then he said, I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink where? At my table in the kingdom. In my kingdom. You see, God's hospitality brings in the kingdom and it also shows us how amazing and inclusive his grace is. As Isaiah said, this is a feast for all peoples. And Jesus alludes to this and, 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 and says amen to this when he says people will come from east and west, north and south. You see, east and west, north and south, that's from everywhere, isn't it? And Jesus taught and he demonstrated that in his hospitality that our earthly labels, they just don't matter. You see, Jesus' invitation to the, the table when he walked the streets of earth extended to everyone even to the people the Jewish elite rejected and who were on the fringes of that society. People like Roman centurions, Samaritan women, tax collectors, the poor, the sick, the blind, the crippled, and the Gentiles. That's me and you. As Jesus ate and drank at those tables where everyone was included, the character and heart of God were revealed and his kingdom came. The darkness was pushed back, the hungry were fed, the sick were healed, the lonely were befriended, the stranger was welcomed, the despairing was given hope, and the good news was shared in a world that desperately needed to hear some good news. As people gathered around the table with Jesus, God's kingdom broke into the world. Now I wonder, have you ever considered your table to be such a powerful place. To be such a powerful tool in the hands of God. Have you ever considered your table to be the place of inclusion where the character and heart of God are, can be revealed, where the darkness can be pushed back, the hungry fed, the sick healed, the lonely befriended, the stranger welcomed, the despairing given hope, the good news shared in a world that still so badly needs to hear some good news and where God's kingdom can break into the world because that's what your table can be. We see God's hospitality, the Lord's hospitality, and he asks us to imitate him. You see, as Jesus served at the table at the Last Supper, he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And the 21st century church has cultivated many sophisticated procedures and tools for evangelism, uh, training sessions, online and media resources, seminars, manuals, methodologies, books, all available. And many of these are very helpful and useful resources. However, as we study Scripture, we find that the home and the table served as a center for discipleship and evangelism. And, and as the church exploded across the Middle East and the Mediterranean and into Europe, and the early Celtic church in these islands grew as individuals and whole communities as they were welcomed into the new monastic communities that were springing up across these islands. And you see, alongside the sanctuary, 
the refractory was a crucial and central part of the church community. The Alpha course, too, as we, we think in it, has been such a successful tool in God's hands, and partly because they have recognized, too, the importance of hospitality with, with every evening starting with a meal or, or, or refreshments of some description. And here's a congregation at Orangefield. We, we seek to be a welcoming and hospitable community of Jesus' followers who care for one another and love our neighbor. I love that there are many and very different opportunities for, for hospitality to be offered and enjoyed in so many different ways in this place, from tea and coffee after our morning services to the, the, the cafe facility, to the catering team, to things like our Thursday lunch club, our, our international tea house, or our recently launched drop-in warm space. Through the individuals inviting one another around for coffee, lunch, or dinner. It reminds me of the, the little uh, story I heard about one minister who was invited uh, out to lunch with a, a family after church. And um, before the, the, the minister arrived, the, the mom asked the little girl to set the table, please. Uh, and the little girl had set the table, uh, and the minister arrived. And um, when they got to sit down at the table, there was no knife or fork at the minister's setting. And the father of the house said, Darling, why did you not place a knife and fork out for the minister? place. And the wee girl said, oh, Daddy, I didn't think he would need them because Mommy said, the minister eats like a horse. <laughs> so, but I thank you as one of your ministers for your, your hospitality that you've shown me over the years. And most times you've even set out a knife and fork <laughs> as appropriate, at least on the first occasion, <laughs> until you find out that actually the minister does. But anyway, that's another Story, I digress. But I'm thankful for your hospitality and, and thank you for that. And one of the lessons that we learned during lockdown was that we missed the opportunity to give and to receive hospitality, to gather around that table together. Perhaps for those of us who, who lived on our own during lockdown, the lack of opportunities to gather was particularly missed and, and particularly acute and, and painful even. Due to the COVID restrictions, we weren't allowed to gather around the table, and we missed it. And then as restrictions began to ease, we were allowed to, to gather again. And, and you remember that picnic benches and park benches became very popular gathering places. And we rejoiced that even as we exercised a degree of caution, we were able to be together. And then we were allowed to be together more properly, eventually. We welcomed one another back into our homes again. And we mustn't, we mustn't allow the renewed joy of being together again to slip away. We must continue to look for opportunities and to give and to receive hospitality. Um, you know, as a family, we've been looking for excuses to gather. Um, getting gathering back together again just as a family. And just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated our very first ever family Burns Night. And uh, yes, we, we were sitting at the table on Boxing Day, and we thought, ah, oh, January and February can be a long old stretch. Um, you know, can we think of any excuse to get and do this sort of Christmas thing again, you know, sooner than that? And somebody mentioned Burns Night. 
And it just took off. Somebody said, you know, yeah, you get the haggis and I'll get the turnips and you get the, the pipe band on a CD and, 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 and you, we'll all wear tartan and, and everybody has to recite a Robbie Burns poem. And, uh, and we did it and it was great crack. It was great crack. So, so, and then we're thinking, okay, so we're going to do it again next month on the 17th, but it's not going to be a Burns night, okay? It's going to be, a, you guessed it, a Patrick's night. So I'm looking forward to the stew already. <laughs> find excuses, find events, just go online and Google a calendar or something and see what's on there. Find excuses for to gather your family, your friends, your neighbors, complete strangers around the table. And you might not be in a position to invite someone into your home, but can you invite them to, to our cafe for a coffee or lunch, or can you bring something into theirs if that works better, or can you take them out for a meal? Um, again, just before Christmas, I caught up with an old friend I hadn't seen for many years, and uh, we reconnected, and, and um, just a few weeks ago, I, I took him and his, his son out for, for lunch, and, and we've agreed to do it again, and we'll, we'll keep in touch, and we'll do that. And if there's some reason that you can't offer your your home to offer hospitality, then um, maybe you can take some out, or maybe you can use your car. I was thinking, a car to offer a lift, because this is something that, that has worked for me. I, what about offering someone a lift to an appointment, or to, 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 to church, or to work, or whatever? I, I had a, um, a, an opportunity to offer hospitality by giving someone a lift just, just this week, so um, let me just tell you how that kind of worked out. Um, in, in the course of, of my ministry here, uh, I visit lots of different places, hospitals and homes and, and houses, and, uh, and one of the, the places that I sometimes have the opportunity to visit is in the, one of the prisons, or either of them, uh, in Hyde Bank or, or Macabre. And, and so uh, I was doing a, a visit in Macabre during the week, and um, at the prison there, as you, just before you go in, there's a, a what they call a welcome center. And it's a place where anybody who's visiting, family, friends, professionals can go in uh, and get a cup of coffee or uh, some refreshments before or after a visit. It was actually set up by the Quakers uh, during the Troubles. And uh, so I did my visit and I, I was I'd come out and I was sitting in the Welcome Center again uh, afterwards enjoying a cup of tea and, a, and it was a tuna sandwich in this case and, uh, and just before I headed back into Belfast. Uh, and, and I was sitting there just, just having my snack, and uh, a couple came in, and they asked the lady at the counter if she could order them a taxi to Belfast. Well, I was just about, about to drive into town with four empty seats, and uh, so I, you know, I got up off my seat, and I went forward, and I, I mentioned that, and I offered to give them a lift. Well, they kind of looked at me for a moment. They did, to be fair. This big skinhead standing outside McGabry, <laughs> inviting him to get into his car. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so they didn't look at me for a moment, but I had my little um, lanyard on, and I showed them that, and I explained to them that I was a minister from a church in Belfast, and I was doing a visit, and I was just going back down the road, and they could have a lift with me if they would, if they would like to do that. And so they did, they got in, and they were, they were just a lovely couple. We chatted, and it was just great crack, like, and we chatted, and we, we talked about all sorts of things, um, uh, and they were, it, it worked out that they were two solicitors um, based in Scotland, and they were over uh, to doing some work with a, a client in, in, in Macabre, and they were on their way back to get the boat and go back to Scotland. So we chatted about all sorts of things, uh, and then um, 
I, I did share with them, I said, you know, about the, the, the one time in Scotland that I needed to en enlist the help of, of solicitors. Um, it was 1995, this was BC, okay, before Christ. And um, it was a time when I had ended up at a particularly lively stag weekend, and the result of which was I needed some legal representation um, because I was found myself stood in handcuffs in front of a judge in a particular place in Scotland. So I shared this with him, and... Uh, and, now, you know, and then I could see the cogs turning. And then the question came, so Gary, how did you get to go from there to being a minister in a church in Belfast? And I thought, oh Lord, we're only at Moira and I have a captive audience who have asked me to share my testimony. And um, so I did. I just told them and I shared my story and I shared about the goodness of God. And, uh, you know, then we chatted more and we came on down the road and um, when, when we stopped, I stopped and they asked me to let them out in, in city centre because they had a couple of hours to, to have a look around before they got, um, got the, the boat. So, and as they were getting out of the car, they, 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 had their, they wanted to give me some money for bringing them down and I said, no, 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 sure, I was coming down the road anyway. Uh, and they, were, they said, well, look, can we make a donation to your church? And uh, church, I hope you don't mind. But I said, I just said to him, no, no, just you accept this lift as a blessing from the church. And they got out and they were very happy and they went away um, very happy. And as they got out of the car, they said to me, Gary, we have heard a lot of bad news stories from Belfast. But today we're going back to Scotland with a good news story from Belfast. And off they went. And they were happy because they'd saved 45 quid, okay? <laughs> I was happy because I'd got a bit of company on the way down the road and, and, and got to share something of the goodness of God with them. And that, I think, is hospitality. That was hospitality. And you see, you see the practice authenticates the conversation as well. You see, Jesus feeding the 5,000, meeting a practical need, then opened the way for him to tell them that he was the bread of life and to meet a spiritual need. And so it is with hospitality as we share our home, our table, our car with people so that opens the door for the gospel. The good deed builds a bridge over which the good news can travel. The good deed builds a bridge over which the good news can travel. Because you see, people may doubt what we say, but they can't doubt what we do. And if we're practically helping them, if that's what we're doing is practically helping them, then they're more likely to listen and ponder and think about what we're saying. So let me, as I finish, just as I, as I finish, let me thank you for what you're already doing, how you're already doing hospitality, both here at home and in other places. Let me encourage us all to find ways of inviting people to enjoy the hospitality of the church. Invite them for a coffee or lunch in Ark. Find ways of inviting people into your home or paying for a meal out with them. Find ways of practicing hospitality by offering a lift or something else that would be helpful. So in light of the knowledge of the, that wonderful table to which he is leading us, in light of the knowledge of how Jesus practiced hospitality during his earthly ministry, let us be open to receive his hospitality afresh tonight. And then empowered, empowered by his spirit and his word, let us be imitators of him. 
Let us practice hospitality. And as we do, let us take the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. The good news of the good shepherd and his amazing invitation to his table. The table of Psalm 23. The table of overwhelming welcome. The table of extravagant abundance. The table of blessing beyond measure. And all for his name's sake and his glory. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. Yeah, Father, we just want to continue to respond to what you're saying to us and to what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we thank you for your table, the table to which you're leading us as we follow Jesus. A feast for which he has paid in full. And which finds us unworthy as we are. Dining at the table of the king. We thank you for how we read of Jesus' hospitality throughout the gospels and your hospitality throughout scripture. So help us to reflect your heart, your character, your goodness into the world around us. To be led by your spirit, to be open to your promptings, to be intentional about practicing hospitality amongst our family, friends, neighbors, and strangers, pointing them always to you and your table. Father, we pray in the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, and for your glory alone. Amen.